Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My kids called me the night before and they said, Dad, you got to take us to school. So I was a shop store. It didn't really matter what time I got in. So I did. And the traffic was so bad, I said I'd stop at the bar and give my friend a cup of coffee while the traffic cooled down and then I'd go back to work. Went in there at about 8.42, I'd say. And next thing, this guy burst through the door. That was it. We thought we were going to get robbed. Turn on the TV, I was supposed to be on the 97th floor. We turned on the television and that's when we saw it. And I said, they're doing a movie, relax, I said. And then I walked out into the street and I could see from Yonkers all this smoke after one building. On Tuesday, September 11, 2001, 19 hijackers from the Islamist extremist group Al-Qaeda seized control of four U.S. passenger jets and crashed them into the World Trade Center in New York, the Pentagon in Washington, and Pennsylvania. This, Justin, you are looking at obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. CNN Center right now is just... We all remember where we were that day. I was on Patrick Street in Cork myself, walking past the Sony Center shop when I saw all the TV screens were showing the iconic Twin Towers on fire. New Yorker Michael Burke has strong family links to County Sligo. Michael, a shop steward with the New York Carpenters Union at the time, was in Yonkers that fateful morning. He made his way to Ground Zero and became part of the volunteer rescue team charged with the task of finding survivors and clearing the mountains of tangled wreckage. And it was like chaos. On the second day while we were there, a stretcher was passed up and a body was put on it, American flag, and we all stood to attention. It was one of the firemen. Uh, the next day, another fireman stood to attention again. We couldn't hear a pin drop. Michael lost his friend Kieran Gorman in the attack that day. 9-11 had a profound impact on Michael personally and left the city and the world in a state of deep shock. Almost 3,000 people were killed. It triggered major U.S. initiatives to combat terrorism and defined the presidency of George W. Bush. Kim Bielenborg of the Irish Independent talks about the impact of the subsequent war on terror. It turned the following years into an age 
of extremes and the aftershocks of 9-11 will still be felt for many years to come. I'm Fionnán Sheehan. You're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. This week, the legacy of 9-11. Can you tell me what your relationship with, with Kieran Gorman, uh, who died that day? How, how close were you? How, how well did you know him? Oh, very well. I was very close. I knew Kieran as a child because his uncle, Joe Masterson, okay, but Joe took me under his wing because he knew I could play hurling and football. He said, See this guy here? When he goes to New York, he said, You're going to take care of him. And I said, No problem. When he came, Got him a job, helped him get a job, helped him get into a company, and then he got into this big company, Structure Tone, where he was working that day. And Kieran was a jolly green giant. He was the quietest guy you could ever meet. He was just a, oh my God, family man. Everyone loved him. I knew Kieran was down there. I knew loads of guys were down there. But I got into action straight away. I went down to the hardware store. I got asbestos suits. I got gloves. I got, I had all my own tools. And I called Desi Grove, a great friend of mine, played for Mayo as well, lived outside Charlestown. And uh, Aidan Wiseman, who played for Loud, as well as Leinster. And they came down with me. And the next morning, you couldn't get in the site. You could hardly see the site. Not mine you did. And there was a big line of FBI, the cops, the army, everything. And I had every pass that you needed for a shop store to get on sites. And I just walked down the line. I saw this guy's name, Lynch. And I said, hey, your parents from Kerry? He said, my father. I said, we're here to relieve the guys from the night before, please. And he let us in. And it was like chaos. It was like ants on a big mound. And everyone was given buckets. So you had certain guys that were up. I'd say it was six to seven uh, stories high of an apartment building. That's how high up it was. And then it went across with at least a thousand guys for the third day. On the first day, they were passing the buckets. And, oh, my God, there was a, there was a woman's ring in my, in my, in my bucket, a finger on her bucket. The FBI came over to take that. On the second day, while we were there, a stretcher was passed up and a body was put on it, American flag, and we all stood to attention. It was one of the firemen. Uh, the next day, another fireman stood to attention again. You couldn't hear a pin drop. Just describe Ground Zero for me. What were the conditions like? What, 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 what Absolutely was the- horrendous. There was steel hanging from all over the place. It was dangerous as well. There was steel upside down, inside out, and then there was voids. And they asked, I was skinny enough, so you put a, you put a bell on, and uh, they tie a rope to your leg and you go in and you keep feeling with the light on. And you go in so far. And that's what we were doing. And then you couldn't breathe. I mean, you had a mask on. You ring the bell and they pull you out backwards. And we were in there with the dogs. We'd let the dogs go in if we knew that they could get down. At what point did, did you realize this was no longer a, it wasn't a rescue operation anymore? You weren't going to find it anybody alive. It ground. I yeah. knew it was sacred ground the minute I got there. I continued to look for Kieran Gorman. I continued to look for anybody, you know, the whole time I was there. Your mental health at the time, having to, to go in and out of that site, given the, 
you knew people who who had died. You you were seeing bodies being 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 taken out. What 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 sort of mindset did you have when you were working on at, at Ground Zero? The whole time that I was there, I I held it together. But the first night uh, that myself and Desi broke left, it must be about quarter to eleven. There was thousands of people clapping us, the workers, the people that went down helping, giving us water, sandwiches. And my car was parked a good mile away because we couldn't get to it. And uh, that was it. I went home that night, changed everything. I was very sad. My health, yeah, it's been affected seriously. Afterwards, I was like, uh, you know, I'm a very outgoing, bubbly guy. And then I couldn't stand behind beside buses or anything because... I developed asthma. I developed lung problems. I had a cardiomyopathy. A lot of things happened. And my head was not where it should be. But for 9-11, yes, it screws me up all the time. But by me doing things for people around 9-11, it helps me to get through. You also, you, you fly the American flag every year oh, to, yeah. to commemorate those who are lost. What, what does that mean for you and for people? Do, do people come up and talk to you about it as a result? Yes, they do. But um, where I wanted the flag to fly uh, was in, in Croke Park for the 9-11 All-Ireland, all 20th, imagine, 20th All-Ireland, and it's in Croke Park. So the, the, the closest place I think I'm getting it is going to be outside. So hopefully somebody will hear me and they'll be there with a ticket and I can get in. If not, I just hope Mayo win for my mother's sake. She's still alive. So and you, everyone in Ireland should say a prayer for all those people that died, especially all the Irish people. Your concern is that the legacy of 9-11 will just be forgotten by yeah, generations to come. Why, as long as I'm living in Ireland, I uh, will fly it every year in a different place. It wasn't just the lives lost that day that changed the world. US politics and foreign policy also changed for a generation with the start of the war on terror. Kim Bielenberg, how did the United States of America react to, to 9-11 and effectively reshape its, its foreign policy in the wake of those attacks? They quickly identified Osama bin Laden as the culprit, as being behind the attacks. And they quickly took on a much more aggressive foreign policy. George Bush wasn't inclined towards intervention in other countries before then, but quickly people in his administration, the neoconservatives, took the upper hand and it was clear that they were going to take military action very fast. And this was driven largely by emotion as much as rationality. So we had the birth of what became known as, as the Bush Doctrine, which did a number of things. One was it paved the way for, for preemptive attacks against countries. It said that they weren't just going to target terrorists, but also those who harbored terrorists. It, it really was a, a game changer in terms of what was regarded as traditional international diplomacy and, and the manner in which you, you responded to uh, declarations of war. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, it was very quick before they went into Afghanistan, started bombing areas around where they thought that Osama bin Laden was hiding out and they were aided by the Northern Alliance, um, various groups on the ground opposed to the Taliban. Uh, they seemed to have quick victories, 
but they weren't very focused on what the purpose was. And at the time, you'd have to say, George W. Bush didn't exactly come into office on, on a great foreign policy platform. Seemed to be a bit of a an empty vessel really just there because of, of his his name. There was the, the famous Doonesbury depiction of him as the kind of the, 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 the cowboy hat and there was, there was nothing else. But there were other people in the administration who were really experienced war hawks. Yeah, they, the, there was the vice president, Dick Haney, who actually sort of almost took the upper hand after 9-11. And there was also Donald Rumsfeld. Both of those had served, served in previous administrations. And they believed in just going in, going into countries, knocking them out, that this would spread this kind of Western values in, in the Middle East and elsewhere. But they didn't really have much understanding certainly Bush didn't, of the nuances in those countries and the forces that would come into play eventually. 20 years on, I suppose, in the, in the case of Afghanistan, people are now questioning, well, what, what was it all about? But the real aftermath is the, the, the death toll uh, caused by the war on terror. How many people do we, do we believe at this point died in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, during these campaigns, particularly civilian deaths? Well, in, in Afghanistan, the total number of deaths was reckoned to be in around 50,000, and the total number of deaths, uh, 150,000, and there were significant casualties, obviously, on the military side for the US. Between the US and the British and other coalition forces, there were three and a half thousand. So Afghanistan alone, there were more than died on 9-11 in the Twin Towers and the other attacks. My fellow citizens, at this hour, American and coalition forces are in the early stages of military operations to disarm Iraq, to free its people, and to defend the world from grave danger. In Iraq, it's reckoned that there were even more deaths, and Iraq wasn't, you know, it had nothing really to do with Al-Qaeda, and the reasons for going on there were quite puzzling, really. The deaths there is reckoned to be 250,000, including 200,000 civilians and 4,500 U.S. armed forces, um, 16,000 pro-U.S. Iraqis. Massive death tolls caused by these events and, and what became known as the war on terror also had profound impacts on the domestic front, both in the United States and in Europe. Um, it, it changed the West. Can we link it directly to the, to the rise of both Islamophobia and also the populist right? Yeah, there was a you know, definite backlash towards Muslims almost from the start, it was almost inevitable. It led to a wave of migration of refugees that had its own political effects in Europe in that it created another wave of Islamophobia. Seen through one-way glass and a layer of chain-link fence, these are some of the detainees of Guantanamo Bay. We're not allowed to show their faces, the authorities here say parading prisoners of war goes against the Geneva Convention, 
The international treaty that the Bush administration tried to argue doesn't apply to these men. Also, it created an environment where democratic norms were not recognized. Holding people in detention without charges, interrogations, torture. So there was a coarsening of, particularly on, on the right in America, that probably lived on into the Trump era and Trump exploited that. And in Europe, um, it could be argued that the wave of refugees led to increases in far-right groups in places like France, Germany. You had the National Front in France, Alternative for Deutschland. And then also in Britain, it could be argued that it was linked with the you know, the Brexit phenomenon, which was had been quite marginal until this era. Kim, is it fair 20 years later to draw a line from 9-11 to the election of Donald Trump and the, the greater fragmentation of the right in American politics? I think you definitely can, because we entered a new age of extremes after 9-11. So conservatism with the rise of Islamophobia, anti-immigrant sentiment, moved to the right. There was that coarsening of democratic values, lack of respect for democratic norms. Although, in one sense, Trump was different. There was a sort of backlash against the Bush doctrine of intervention in other countries, knocking out regimes. Trump believed in America first. So, you know, he believed that we we close the borders and we don't get involved elsewhere. So in that sense, he was slightly different. You were listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie, produced by Mary Carroll and sound designed by John Smith. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.